0: You know, uh, Willie, you, you look at, at what, uh, the former president said about focusing on Republicans and how mean they are instead of, and, 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 and how shocking they are. I mean, it's exactly what they want Democrats to do. It's what they want media to do instead of the issues that most Americans really do care about. Um, and it doesn't work as well for the Democrats. He also had quite a few things to say about, Wokeness, identity politics. Now he's talked about this before. Mm-hmm. He's talked about it for quite some time, but it, it certainly it was it was a very clarifying interview, a, a clarifying voice. Barack Obama giving Democrats some advice they should listen.
1: Yeah, it's interesting. He steps in at certain times, doesn't he? Not often, but every once in yeah. a while and tries to sort of recalibrate Democrats and the message a little bit. Um He's right. Objectively, if you look at polling, that it is the economy by a wide margin that's it, on people's minds. But that's not to say that the other issues are not important. So it's that balance of you have to pursue the preservation of democracy. You have to listen to the January 6th select committee. You have to take seriously all these candidates who say we're not going to respect the outcomes of elections in the future. You have to take seriously the concerns of women and families across the country about the issue of abortion. But as you say, coming down the stretch here, voters have made clear that it is the economy. It is inflation that's going to swing this election. Are we going to fire Nancy Pelosi once and for all-
0: It's Tuesday, 18 October, in the year of our Lord, 2022. We're three weeks away from the most important midterm election since the early years of the Civil War, 1862. Uh, We've got a lot to go through today, and we've got a lot to go through in the next uh, three weeks uh, to actually have the opportunity, because it's all converging, to destroy the Democratic Party as a national political institution. And we're seeing it all over. Last night, Governor Kemp in Georgia, I think he's eight or nine points ahead of Stacey Abrams, a Debate in J.D. Vance taking it to Tim Ryan in Ohio in these Senate races. We got a lot to get through today First thing I want to bring in Congressman Elise Stefanik uh, She's chair of the Republican uh, conference and uh, a congressman from New York State um, and I want to go to um, Talk about signal not noise and How this has all come together because it just didn't happen when you have a morning Joe and We got a longer piece. We'll play at the beginning of the second hour when they are actually admitting now, when Barack Obama, they're talking there about this interview Barack Obama gave about wokeness and about uh, identity politics and about not focusing on the right things. This just doesn't happen. Th- this is what strategy is about. This is about what's focused on certain things that at the time may not be totally clear to everybody, but you can see over the other side of the hill and you kind of see where things are going. One of the most important uh, events in this election cycle was the removal of Liz Cheney uh, as conference chair not principally because of her virulent hatred for maga Maga and president trump personally it was she represented a neoliberal neocon worldview that is not where this country is and particularly where voters in this country are and that is elise stefanik replacing her and i want to go to a piece of evidence congressman stefanik thank you very much the new york times yesterday uh, and a lot of people are now talking about this, GOP gains uh, edge in poll as economy sways voters. It was the front-page story, but once again, the New York Times buries the lead. Uh, the, and I actually have highlighted here, and I want to bring up the chart here in a second. Um, the biggest shift came from women who identified as independent voters. In September, they favored Democrats by 14 points. Now, independent women back Republicans by 18 points, a striking swing given the polarization of the American electorate and how intensely Democrats have focused on that group specifically and on the threat Republicans pose to abortion rights. Congressman Stefanik, first off, talk to us, because I think you are one of the principal, if not the principal architect, in the shift of these independent women now to back Republican candidates and MAGA candidates, of which could be a realignment in this country, ma'am, like 1932. Uh, Your analysis and observations.
2: Well, first of all, Steve, you're correct that isn't it amazing that the mainstream media always seeks to bury these polls, bury the lead. Uh, The reality is this is great news for America. It's great news for Republicans as we're working to earn back the House. This is a 32 point swing among independent women who now overly, overwhelmingly uh, support Republicans on the generic ballot this November. And we are just 21 days away. What did I do as conference chair? Well, House Republicans work together to talk about issues that actually matter to the American people, actually matter to independent women. That's inflation, that's economy, that's crime, that's security, that's the border. And we are winning on each of those top issues. Also in that poll, it in another poll, it lists out what are the most important issues? 37 percent of the American people rate inflation as the top issue. Number two is the economy and job at with 29%. So that is a huge, huge uh, portion of the electorate whose top issue are economic related issues because we're facing a really unprecedented economic crisis. Certainly for my generation who's never seen this rate of inflation. Uh, You have to go back before I was born and immigration. Uh, 23% rate that as the most important issue. That's an issue that we win on both when asked on immigration, but also on border security, crime and drugs. Here in New York State, the crime crisis is one of the top two issues statewide. One of the reasons that Lee Zeldin is going to win uh, for governor. But this bodes very well because the American people, they are have just seen the results of unified single-party Democrat rule. And it's created crisis after crisis. And they're looking for a new direction. House Republicans and I've focused on this as House Republican Conference Chair is talking about these issues that matter, and we're going to win on these issues.
0: I want to go back to, to, to when you replaced Liz Cheney. I think it was in the spring of twenty twenty one, and this is I think even before Liz Cheney got involved in the in, in J six and, and kind of went down that path, of which led to her crushing defeat uh, among uh, her uh, voters in uh, in Wyoming later or in this spring. Um, I actually guess it was in, uh, in uh, August. Um, what would how did you know at the time? Walk me through your 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 thinking of how you were saying back a year and a half ago, these are going to because a lot of, you know, in the fog of war, everything happens. How did you know it was going to be this issue set that was going to be prominent in uh, in October in the run up to the 2022 midterm, man?
2: Well, the most important uh, role that any official elected official does is, is making sure they listen to their constituents. And I spent a lot of time listening to my constituents and listening to the American people. And it was clear that inflation uh, just continued was continuing to tick up at that time and was continuing to really be a source of concern for families. It was th- being discussed at families' dinner tables every night. And uh, Liz Cheney was just leaving those issues on the table. It was important for House Republicans to hone in on the issues that matter to the American people and the crises that have been created. And I'll never forget, Steve, when I had my first uh, press conference as the House Republican conference chair uh, after our weekly conference meeting. Uh, I was ridiculed by a New York Times reporter uh, saying the border crisis, the inflation crisis, the crime crisis. And he said, well, it's too many crises. You don't have a message going to distract the American people. Look how wrong the New York Times was. It's not the first time. It's not the last time. And uh, certainly <laughs> hold the American hold people it, Hold on, hold on, hold, it, hold hang on,
0: hang on, hang on, hang on. you got to give me that story again. What did the New York Times, what did the New York Times writers say?
2: There was a, a New York Times reporter in the audience and they said, well, you say economy crisis. You say the border crisis. You say the crime crisis. This is too many crises for the American people for a message. It's not going to resonate. And my answer was, first, thank you for pointing out all the crises that Joe Biden and House Democrats have created. And the American people know there's multiple crises. And uh, it has been a winning message uh, since we are winning on each of those issues of top concerns that the American people have.
0: I want to go to this concept of piercing the veil. People have to understand when these are when people think about these, these are national races, these midterms. And they're actually referendums on on the president's uh, first couple of years of the two years. And that's why I say the presidency now is kind of chopped into two year cycles, not four year cycles. Um, New England, let's add New York and maybe even New Jersey. is kind of been a bastion, right, that they could depend upon. Of really owning the the Democrats, both Senate and particularly in the House, they have that. They don't have to spend a lot of money. They roll, it gives them a great base, and then people, particularly in New York, Boston, they raise a ton of money, right? And go out throughout the country, and this is how they've been able to win. You came up with this theory of piercing the veil, and I remember at the time people were talking to me, said this is crazy. This is going to be a waste of effort. This will never get there. Yet today. In Rhode Island, two, we're up six to eight points. We're competitive in, in uh, Connecticut, two and five. We're competitive in both house seats in uh, in New Hampshire, in Maine, two. So we pierced the veil of, uh, of Massachusetts. Plus, I think they're nine, and people are telling me maybe 14 or 15 to play in New York State. Walk me through your theory of piercing the veil. And when it looked like a long shot, what did you see that other people didn't see?
2: Well, what's unique about... States that are traditionally blue states is they get a double whammy of single party Democrat rule, both in Washington and in Albany. So when it looks, when you think about New York state, for example, which of course is where I'm from originally and, and where I represent New York 21st congressional district, we saw the impacts of horrific management from the corrupt Andrew Cuomo, the worst governor in America. That's been continued by Kathy Hochul. We saw the crime crisis as a result of the failed bail reform movement, the defund the police movement, the slashing of the NYPD budget. And since then, crime has skyrocketed. Blue states really suffer from single party Democrat rule in a very, very damaging way that people are waking up. And it's not just Republicans, obviously, who are looking for a new direction. It's independents and registered Democrats as well. Uh, I also think in New York state, Democrats, if you look at the congressional races, we can win back the majority just in New York state alone. Uh, Albany Democrats had a supermajority. They egregiously and unconstitutionally gerrymandered the congressional maps and the people of New York won the court case to have fair lines. So now we have fair lines, what would have been a very gerrymandered illegal map. And we could win the majority and pick up those seats just in New York alone. You have three seats in the Hudson Valley that continue to trend in Republicans' direction. Uh, the fact that the Democrats are having to spend millions uh, for Sean Patrick Maloney's campaign, and yet Mike Lawler continues to pull ahead. He's going to win on Election Day. We are all in, uh, as well as our other Hudson Valley candidates, Colin Schmidt, who is taking on uh, the newly elected Pelosi puppet Pat Ryan uh, and Mark Molinar was going to win. Uh, on election day this November. We're going to do well on Long Island and pick up two seats there, George Santos and Anthony D'Esposito, and then broadening this out to New England and including New Jersey as well. Maine, uh, with Bruce Poliquin on the ballot, we think we're in a great position to win there. New Hampshire, both seats look really good. Caroline Levitt, I'm most familiar with, in New Hampshire One, She worked in my office previously. I was proud to uh, endorse her, and she is giving pappas a run for his money and the enthusiasm is on her side the energy is on her side and uh supporting her is going to be really important new jersey you have democrats in free fall like tom malinowski who had multiple uh multiple illegal trades profiting off of insider knowledge of congress and he's going to be held accountable from the voters and that's why we'll elect tom kane and then connecticut you again have a blue state where uh democrats control everything the state is in free fall which is why you have george logan uh, in such a great position and why we are uh, making sure that we're investing in that race. I was just with him last week, and there's tons of enthusiasm. And Rhode Island, Alan Fung is going to be a member of Congress. Uh, he is just out there working every single day. This is going to be the most diverse class of newly elected Republicans ever in our nation's history. And we're going on offense in not only the states in the Northeast and New England, but specifically traditionally blue areas that Democrats have taken for granted, uh, that they have not represented well, that they've caused crises in these communities, and Republicans are going to bring leadership uh, that these that their constituents deserve.
0: Okay, we're going to take a break. I'm going to bring uh, Elise back after the break. But I just want to reset and make people understand something that you, Elise Stefanik is saying. We could actually take the majority just on the wins we're going to get in New York State. Think about that for a second. Who in February, March, or April of 2021 would even think that that was anything but crazy talk? In that, the buried lead there is Sean uh, Patrick Maloney, is uh, is the head of the DNCC. They're pouring millions of dollars in to defend his seat, to defend his seat. Also, you can pick up on the majority just if you look at the pickups in New England. In New England. Stunning turn of events. We're on offense today in the war. We're going to take a short commercial break. We're going to return with the Republican conference chair and the architect of a lot of this, uh, Elise Stefanik from New York 21. Be back in a moment.
1: Everything's just beginning, for the games you want to play. Bring it on and have fight to the end, just watch and see. It's all started, everything's begun, and you are over. Taking down the
0: you know what's never good? When your nation's supposed authority on economic policy completely misses the flashing red lights of impending inflation. Now, Treasury Secretary Janet Yellen has finally admitted, quote, okay it's tuesday 18 october in the year of our lord 2022 we are 21 days that is three weeks from this evening to the, today will be voting day on the most important midterm election since 1862 that came just what a month and a half uh, after the battle of antietam we're gonna get to all of that later in the show i want to return to lise stefanik i i, I want to make sure people understand the magnitude of a guy like sean patrick maloney he is the head strategist he is the top guy in defending the house and they knew they had to defend the house or uh the joe biden uh regime ends on the evening of november 8th so i want to make sure at least before we leave this topic how important is a guy like that at the senior levels the chief fundraiser and the strategist for holding the house he is under siege i just read a report they're pumping four million dollars and we had eli crane on last night from arizona too tom o'halloran is out there in arizona too saying "Hey." I raised this money. That money is my money. You're not giving it to me. And Eli Crane's going to win this district if I don't get support. And you're hearing this all over the country. You've basically besieged the, the leader of the DNCC. How did that happen, man?
2: Well, first of all, the, to just make sure the listeners understand the Democrat congressional committee, their responsibility is to uh, try to maintain their majority. And the fact that the head, this elected leadership position, is likely to lose his seat shows how much of a red tsunami this year is going to be uh sean patrick maloney uh is well known as the most arrogant elected official in new york state politics and boy is that saying a lot given all the players in new york (laughs) state uh this guy when these districts were redrawn didn't even pick up the phone to call his democrat colleagues and moved into another district kicking Mondaire Jones out to run in a different district. So he's despised even among his own party. uh, And it's one of many reasons why he is going to lose this November. In addition, Sean Patrick Maloney, when he ran for his failed campaign for New York state attorney general, he said his number one priority was to support Democrats' failed bail reform, which has led to the crime crisis, which is the top two issue in New York state uh, and the top one issue in parts of the state. It is the most effective issue we have when it comes to holding Sean Patrick Maloney accountable for his out-of-touch policies, his rubber stamp for Joe Biden and Nancy Pelosi, and just his sheer arrogance and entitlement. On top of that, what has Sean Patrick Maloney been doing the last couple of weeks? He's been raising money in Paris, in London, in European cities. Uh, that's where the Democrat majority is having to go uh, to try to raise their final funds as we push these last twenty one days for the election. Republicans are outraising Democrats. We're going to win that race. Mike Lawler is an exceptional candidate who is our Republican nominee.
0: Is that the picture I saw that they were sitting on the balcony uh, with the Eiffel Tower in the background? There's some beautiful apartment on, on the on on the river right there in Paris. Uh, is was that it that, well, that's a fundraiser? They're raising money. They're raising money in Paris to, to put it into the You know, Hudson this is not the first
2: time I think that picture was the last time that Sean Patrick Maloney had fundraisers in Paris and European cities. Sean Patrick is known for doing European fundraisers uh, of American expats, and uh, it just shows out of touch uh, the Democrat leadership is and the Democrat party is with the needs of the American people and the needs of the constituents in the Hudson Valley district. It's one of many reasons why Mike Lawler is going to win Uh, He's an assemblyman who flipped a district from Democrat to Republican that no one thought. The media thought Republicans could not win. And Mike Lawler is going to do it again and make history this November when he defeats Sean Patrick Maloney.
0: When you've got the head of the DNCC that is looking at saving himself and taking cash and putting into his own race, talk to me about what that means for the rest of the nation. How does that expand the battlefield, the map, so that you can now get aggressive throughout the country?
2: Your number one job, whether you're the chair of the NRCC, which is the Republican Congressional Committee, or the DCCC, the Democrat Congressional Committee, is to win or keep the majority. And Sean Patrick Maloney is spending an inordinate amount of resources and an inordinate amount of time and energy focused on holding his own seat that he's going to lose. That means that all these other Democrats that are in free fall across the country, they're either going to get cut from the budget, uh, and lose, or they're going to be shortchanged and lose. And that's why you're seeing Democrats really cry out that they're in free fall. There is no cavalry coming for them. The cavalry is coming for Republicans, both from grassroots donors across the country. And if you want to support, you can get to give to redwave2022.com. But the most important cavalry that's coming are the American people and the voters who are going to put a stop. To single-party Democrat rule, who are going to overwhelmingly elect Republicans, uh, I believe we're on pace to earn a historic majority. Uh, that would be picking up 35 seats.
0: Your call right now, as you see it, is a pickup of 35 seats would leave us almost a historic height, right? It'd be what 240, uh, 247 seats. That would be almost historic. It would like, be the largest majority.
2: The it would be the largest majority large- since the Great Depression, Steve. And uh, wow. certainly a huge opportunity for us to have uh, lasting effective policies to solve our inflation inflation crisis, to secure the border, et cetera.
0: So your call right now is 35 seats so your uh, your great aide-de-camp, Alex deGrasse, said a couple of weeks ago, you're going to hit an inflection point a couple of weeks out where you're going to see the Democrats culling the herd. You're going to see them just go back to the core they have to to, to uh, To defend. Do you think we're at this point right now? You think we're going to start seeing big names that start get cutting loose and the Democrats turn on themselves an internal civil war that they've needed to have? This is what Obama was saying the other day. We started off with that cold open for Morning Joe. He's talking about the wokeness. He's talking about the identity politics. It's kind of ironic for Obama to be talking about that, how it hurt him. When did the Democrats start turning on themselves? When can we see this open civil war as they panic and and have to really start throwing overboard some prominent Democrats?
2: Well, they already are turning on each other, Steve. And the mainstream media loves to brush that under the rug. But the reality is, I mean, members of Congress, we know uh, the concerns. We know folks on the other side. And there are huge complaints about both Pelosi's leadership and Sean Patrick Maloney, huge complaints about Joe Biden and his absolute failure. And I think uh, the Barack Obama interview is notable not just for his critiques, which are very obvious of today's Democrat Party, but also the fact that he's trying to protect his political identity because he knows Democrats are about to face a historic wipeout. And uh, people are going to try to save their own reputations uh, politically uh, in, in as we work through this final bit. You know, 21 days is still quite some time before the election, but it's yes. trending in our direction. Things start to break when we get to mid-October, and they are breaking towards Republicans. And I still believe the polls are underestimating both our enthusiasm and and how much of a turnout advantage we are going to have also underestimating uh, those who don't feel comfortable answering polls
0: by the way everybody has to we still have to get to the ramparts think this is a long way from over everybody we want people volunteering you can go to all the different sites we put up uh you go to the 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 site of Elise and get more information real quickly politico's lead story today is about how that the wunderkind class of 2018 all these superstars that the democrats we're hoping to, 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 to basically get ready to run statewide are all under pressure right now. You could lose two thirds of the class of 18. This is how you destroy the Democratic Party as a national political institution. But let me pivot to New York State. The most underreported story in this cycle right now is the red wave coming in the great state of New York. You just walked through the congressional seats. Talk to me about the, the, the governor's race, the attorney general uh, all of it, because I, all I'm hearing right now is Lee Zeldin is on fire in closing, uh, Hokel, uh, very rapidly.
2: Lee Zeldin is absolutely on fire in terms of closing the gap. We've seen those numbers shift tremendously. Uh, and again, Kathy Hokel, no one thought we could have a worse governor than governor than Andrew Cuomo, but Kathy Hokel achieved that unbelievable achievement. She has been a worse governor. There are more corruption, uh, headlines every single day. Uh, she basically is using taxpayer dollars to, uh, give unethical, corrupt deals to her campaign donors to try to drag her over the finish line. Meanwhile, you have crime erupting in New York state, including literally on Lee Zeldin's doorstep. And he is out there every single day bringing attention to issues, whether it's the congestion pricing, which is a tax on hardworking New York city, uh, and New York residents, or whether he's highlighting just the failed bail reform policies that have prioritized criminals over law-abiding citizens. But I did want to touch upon that article you referenced about the, quote-unquote, 2018 Wonder Kids. That was a wave election year for Democrats, and I've always said that class of elected Democrats is, is ripe for a rude awakening, and they are about to get one. They ran in 2018, which was a blue year, and then, you know, they ran in a very nationalized election uh, between Joe Biden and Donald Trump. Those Democrats do not have individual voting records. They are in lockstep with Nancy Pelosi and Joe Biden, and they will finally be held accountable. I've run in red wave years and I've run in blue wave years, and we've won the district in both ways. This was a district that we flipped. I think most of those rising stars are going to get wiped out this election cycle because they haven't kept their promises to their voters. In fact, they're not independent Democrats. They are just rubber stamps for Nancy Pelosi, who's been in the majority since they were elected. And Joe Biden.
0: You're saying that political article we will talk about this a second hour because I know you got a bounce. You're saying right now you're called shot, not just 35 seats. You're saying that the great class of the Democrats, their real their bench, the one in 18. You think that's going to get wiped out?
2: I think that class, I mean, that's the class that built the majority. And those are the seats that we are going on offense. And we have a much bigger playing field than just those seats. So I think we're going to have clearly a much larger majority. Uh, if we continue to do our job and voters really make sure that every vote matters and every vote turns out. But those high profile candidates who were featured as the majority makers, they're about to lose their election because, uh, again, they voted in lockstep with Nancy Pelosi. Uh, they own this inflation crisis. They own this crime crisis. They own this border crisis. They own all of it. They cause these crises and the American people are smart. They see through it. And there's tons of infighting on the Democrat party side. Again, the mainstream media outlets that no one in America watches, like Morning Mika and other shows, uh, never like to focus on the infighting among Democrats, but it's real and it's going to have implications on election day.
0: At least, at least real quickly, give us your uh, website. How do people get to this?
2: RedWave2022.com.
0: Mm-hmm. Lee Stefanik, conference chair, thank you for your insights. 35 seats. You heard it. Short break. Back in a moment. If you want to know what the left's real plan is for your kids, just look at the reaction to the work Patriot Mobile did in multiple school districts in the great state of Texas. The left is losing their minds. Patriot Mobile is America's only Christian conservative mobile phone provider and a force for conservative values. This is because they take a portion of your bill and fund conservative causes and candidates who believe in the sanctity of life, freedom of speech, the Second Amendment, and guess what? They're winning. Patriot Mobile has affordable plans for you, your family, even your business. They offer the same nationwide coverage as the major carriers because they use multiple major networks, plus... You're supporting conservative values with every call. Now go to patriotmobile.com. That's one word, patriotmobile.com slash Bannon. Or call the following number, 972-PATRIOT. That's 972-PATRIOT. Get free activation with the offer code Bannon. Special discounts are also available for veterans and first responders. Join our movement. Make the switch today and a difference tomorrow. That's patriotmobile.com slash Bannon Bannon. PatriotMobile.com slash Bannon or call 972-PATRIOT. Make an impact. Use your agency. Action, action, action.
3: War
1: Room
0: Pandemic with Stephen K. Bannon. The epidemic is a demon
1: and we cannot let this demon hide.
0: War Room Pandemic. Here's your host, Stephen K. Bannon. Okay. Welcome back. Uh, we're very honored to have uh, a very special guest, uh, Bishop uh, Anastasius Schneider from Kazakhstan. Bishop, thank you so much for uh, joining us. Bishop, we're known uh, throughout the world as as the, uh, the platform for the anti-communist party movement to take down the CCP. Uh, everyone asks us, uh, Cardinal Zen, can you give us any update on Cardinal Zen and, and particularly why we don't see a lot coming out of the Vatican in support of Cardinal Zen now that he's uh,
3: in in this trial? It is very tragic, the situation that this uh, heroic cardinal, Chinese cardinal, who served the church so faithfully all his life, and now he is almost over 90 year old, and always spoke uh, courageously defending the true freedom and the faith of those who were persecuted by the ruling Communist Party in China, that he is now practically abandoned uh, by the Holy See and by the pope. This will go down in history, I think, as um, a stain for the Holy See to have committed this grievous omission to support one of her most faithful and heroic cardinals in our time.
0: You know, I've had the honor to spend a lot of time or some time with Cardinal Zen, and obviously spent a lot of time in China. Um, He is revered not just by people in Hong Kong, he's revered by the underground, the true underground persecuted church in China as a hero. And I think one of the issues or the issue he had, even at the age of 90, to fly from Hong Kong to the Vatican was about this secret treaty that the Vatican has signed with the Chinese Communist Party that essentially lets the CCP, which is not just an atheistic criminal organization, but a murderous atheistic criminal organization, that specifically targets Catholics and Christians because they have a great fear of Christianity um, what is it and particularly coming from Kazakhstan in the Eurasian landmass why has the church signed a secret deal with a murderous atheistic transnational criminal organization and refuses refuses to put that forward so that people in the church can review and study it
3: I think this um this act with the Holy See did, signing such an agreement with an obvious um, uh, government, which is obviously persecuting Christians and even uh, committing crimes against basic human dignity, in China, it is only our last step of an uh, evolution which started. 60 years ago with the so-called Ostpolitik of the Vatican, which started with Pope John XXIII with his uh, approach to the Soviet communist government and the other East European communist governments. Uh, in those times maybe they had good intentions uh, to, to gain more freedom for the church in the communist countries but basically they abandoned the Holy See with the Ostpolitik the faithful Catholics priests and bishops who were suffering for the church for Christ and uh, they were promote and the price of this Ostpolitik and we saw this in the in the communist time where that they were put on in leadership in the church bishops People, weak clerics, who were basically in some way collaborators with the ruling communist system or completely weak persons who did not uh, resist the atheism, the communism. And so this is a continuation of this politics brought to its logical end to do such um, an agreement with a government which is today China, which so obviously, in a criminal way, persecutes Catholics and other Christians and and tramples the basic rights of human dignity, I think it is uh, uh, very grievous and we have to regret this and the Holy See should not do this. When you talk about weak, this is part of, as
0: our due diligence and study showed us that this was part of the McCarrick influence at the highest levels of of, of the Vatican. Of course, we've had tremendous problems with that McCarrick influence here in the American church. Is, is that now being broomed out of the Vatican? I mean, what's the update? McCarrick was the, was the architect, really, of this relationship with China. Uh, and I hear that his influence... Uh, Led to a lot of these things going on throughout the world the kind of the globalization or the global the globalism of the 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 current Pope came from a lot of the McCarrick influence. Is that being offset? Is that being? uh, Are people standing up against that?
3: Uh, It is uh, I think um, Globally spoken the attitude of the Holy See and the Pope the current Pope Is a sign of weakness? Why? Because uh, They try to please the world. They try to please those who are powerful, politically powerful. And now China is a very politically powerful government in the world today, a world power. And so I think this is. From Kazakhstan, you would know that. (laughs) Yes, (laughs) I know this. They are our neighbors. And and now we know the influence of China all over the world. It's evident. And now, and it seems that the Pope, Pope Francis and the current administration in the Vatican likes to please these uh, these powerful people in the world. So this is for me, at the contrary, a weakness of the Vatican. The contrary, the true Catholic attitude, which is should be as the successors of the apostles to be courageous in front of the powerful of this world. And these were the Christians in the first centuries, the popes of the first centuries, they were courageous. They did not, they were not afraid of the Roman pagan empires, emperors. And so the other examples in history, we know the glorious heroic attitude of popes who resisted, even Christian emperors who were abusing their power. Uh, and this is a glory for the Catholic Church. But today, this sometimes servile attitude of the Vatican administration towards those who are powerful currently, it is a sign of weakness. And is not a true uh, attitude which should be the successor of St. Peter and the other apostles. Do you see that
0: changing? Do you see a young cadre of priests coming up, a, a young uh, cadre of, of, of bishops? We, we understand how often your travels restricted or other people that have a voice. Do you see that? Do you see out there that that's changing right now?
3: Yes. Thanks be to God, we can observe all over the world a new movement amongst the young people, the young families, and young seminarians, young clergy, who um, are promoting the true tradition of the Church, the non-changing, constant faith all over the centuries and millennium, the constant true liturgy, the so-called traditional Latin liturgy, the true moral, spiritual life, the missionary uh, zeal. This all, which what the Church did in 2,000 years, is now again, thanks be to God, awakening in the young generation. And this is a, is a question of time that these young clergy will become, hopefully, also bishops, maybe cardinals, and then the Church, the Catholic Church, will regain its, its um, uh, worthy, Uh, Attitude and mission in midst of the world. So let's talk about that because you've challenged the hierarchy of
0: the church. uh, When uh, the Latin Mass was allowed back into the United States, my parents immediately joined another parish that was a Tridentine right parish, Uh, and I'd actually, as a young boy, actually been an altar boy in the pre-Vatican II uh, Um, right. You've actually come up and, and challenged. You were considered, I think, one of the heads, if not the head of the traditionalist movement in the church. You've challenged the church in particularly about almost going back to a syllabus of errors so that you think that we have to go back to a pre-Vatican II, um, uh, the, 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 the traditions of the church and around the mass. Explain to our audience, particularly we have a lot of Catholics in the audience, we also have a lot of Christians who are not Catholics. Explain to them why why are you fighting Because they would say, this is just going back in time, this is the stuff that is from ancient times, we should just leave it. Why why do you lead that fight, and why do you think that fight is so important?
3: It's so important because it's a fight for, for life and death, because the faith of our ancestors, of the saints throughout the millennium, was given by God, and therefore we give our life for this faith. We will not give our life for an ephemeral, passing, fleeting ideas, changes of some clergy of our day, and so, and even the same is with the liturgy, the the Latin mass, so called Latin mass, uh, is an expression of this unchanging faith of the millenniums, and there, were this form of the liturgy was celebrated. Through millennium, not only decades, but by the saints whom we know venerate, and and therefore, this was a very, very alive. It's not a such only tradition or a piece of museum. No, the traditional liturgy was filled with life, with reverence, with an ex- with an expression of the true faith and proven through centuries, through millennium. And this we, this greatest treasure of the church, the faith and the traditional liturgy, we have to hand down to the next generation. This is our task. And therefore, the novelties which were introduced after the Second Vatican Council undermine, in some way, this treasure. And therefore, we have to for the sake, for love for the church, for love for the future generations. We have to to fight uh, respectfully, of course, with dignity uh, to hand over this precious treasure to the next generations, the Catholic, the integral full Catholic faith and the integral full Catholic liturgy to traditional Mass, as you mentioned.
0: You're saying what's been handed down generation to generation until uh, Vatican II. Okay, we're going to take a short commercial break. We're going to return with Bishop Snyder. He is uh, visiting us from Kazakhstan. Be back in the warm in a moment.
1: Everything's just beginning for the games you want to play to the end, just watch and see, it's all started, everything's begun, and you are over, because we're taking down the CCP. Spread the word all through Hong Kong, we will fight till they're all gone, we rejoice when there's no more, let's take down the CCP.
0: Friends, if you're thinking about stocking up on emergency food because of what's going on in the world, now is the time to do it. Farmers are warning everyone who will listen. Food shortages are next. That's why I urge you to go to com. That's com right now. To help the American family, My Patriot Supply is offering a 20% discount off their three month emergency food kit. This kit provides delicious breakfasts, lunches, dinners, drinks, and snacks for one person for three solid months. As you know, This food stays fresh for up to 25 years, so it's ready the moment you need it. And it's designed to give you more than 2,000 calories a day. That's 2,000 calories a day. So you won't go hungry, and you'll keep up your strength during any crisis. Save 20% on this three-month kit at preparewithbannon.com. That's preparewithbannon.com. Stock up now with the price this low. Your orders ship fast and free in unmarked boxes for your privacy. Go to PrepareWithBannon.com right now. Prepare right now. Take action. Use your agency. Action, action, action.
3: Has arrived.
0: The new social media taking on big tech. Protecting free speech. And canceling cancel culture. Join the marketplace of ideas. The platform for independent thought has arrived. Superior technology. No more selling your personal data. No more censorship no more cancel culture enough getter has arrived it's time to say what you want the way you want download now uh, welcome back uh, we're with one of the leaders of traditionalism throughout the world and also standing up against the power of criminal organizations like the chinese communist party uh, from his beloved home country of kazakhstan um, Bishop Snyder, something pretty provocative in the last segment. You said that Vatican II brought in a lot of novelties, and so particularly not just for a Catholic audience, because there's a lot of Catholics that are not Latin mass or traditional, but also for our broader Christian and even secular audience. Vatican II, explain what it was, why it was important, and why it changed the church after 2,000 years in kind of a totally different and pretty
3: radical direction. Vatican II was a so-called ecumenical general council of the Catholic Church, as there were already twenty councils before Vatican II from the first century on. And this is um, a meeting of the Pope with the bishops to address most important issues of the life of the Catholic Church. In the in the all the past councils were convoked only for the aim to To address uh, some heresies, to correct evident dangers in the life of the church. All the other councils have
0: been specifically come together about
3: about her heresies and and what to do with them. Exactly, this was always the aim of a council, convoked to a specific, to correct a specific uh, crisis. I mean, in faith, heresies or schisms, or our uh, crisis in discipline, immorality, and so on, and the, not just to to meet and to speak. And now, Vatican. But when this came, the church was never
0: more. I mean, the United States it was the it was the it was the church. I don't want to say powerful, but the church was growing. It was robust. Yes. It, there there was no schism. There was no crisis. Why why would they call a council if there was not a crisis in faith? There was not a crisis. Actually in the church you would actually argue it was a golden age of Catholicism.
3: Yes, you are correct And this is the question why should had be convoked a council and With with almost no purpose only to speak, but the the Pope John 22nd uh, 23rd who convoked this council said it it should be have a, a pastoral character so simply to speak to adapt uh, the, the life of the catholic church to the so-called needs of our time and to take in account the changes in the secular world but this is not uh, the mission of the church to take into account the the, need, the the changes of the secular world christ came and he did not uh, take taking into account uh, those times the what went on in the Roman Empire, the wars and so on, and the apostles, they simply preached the divine truth directed to the salvation of the souls for the eternal life. This is the mission of the church and not a uh, primarily temporal mission. And so, um, had hadn't the
0: church in from the 19th century kind of fought against modernity? I mean yes. there was a huge movement, this understanding where the modern world was going yes. said we have to stand, we have to be a bulwark
3: against modernity exactly bulwark because since the French Revolution, uh, there was spread in, in the world in the Western world, a movement practically against Christ, against the church, against the supernatural divine revelation, to simply a temptation to adapt the Catholic Church to the spirit of this world. This was called the modernism in the end of the 19th century, which infiltrated the life of the Catholic Church, not so much, but already. And then, thanks be to God, God gave us Pope Pius X, a the Holy Pope, a hundred years ago, more than a hundred years ago, who intervened effectively and condemned and unmasked this infiltration by modernism in the in the, in the seminaries in the, in the theological faculties, and he wrote an encyclical and uh, commanded to make an anti-modernist oath. And and so, but the Second Vatican Council tried to to adapt in some way the church to the spirit of or to make reconciliation, as they as they said. Reconciliation with the spirit of the modern world
0: are you are, you, you are essentially saying that the the, the the Vatican Council the second the Vatican Council um, Looked at almost the church teachings from time immemorial as the heresy and they had to change that That's what they by bringing in the the modern
3: world. Yes uh, There was no uh, the contrary I think that the Vatican too should have addressed the errors of the modern world, uh, concretely, the naturalism, the the rejection of the supernatural revelation of Christ. This was the the greatest error of the modern time. And also the so-called anthropocentrism, which was a sign of the spirit of the modern world, which means that man puts himself on the place of God, the Creator. And now we are witnessing this, all the consequences of this, and this was an an error of Vatican II to have, in some way, in a naive spirit to adapt to... Naive or dangerous? Naive, also dangerous, I would say, and now we have the consequences, and therefore they produce documents with which language oftentimes ambiguous, and so you could... Interpret them in both sides, and this is our our crisis basically that uh, That followed the council the ambiguity. Let's let's we're going to take another commercial break I want to
0: bring up two things this is number one the oath against modernity was dropped shortly after that we'll talk about also um, <clears throat> It's how you get to the Amazon Synod to have the pantheism or the paganism of the the anth- the Amazon uh, a river actually was at the in Rome, what, a couple of uh, six months ago. Okay, we're going to take a short commercial break. Bishop Snyder can stay with us. Uh, we're going to uh, have enjoy his company here and we return with a little more controversy about the Oath Against Modernity, all next in the War Room.
1: It's all started Everything's begun. And you we're taking down the CCP.